The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. A very good afternoon to you all. It's the 9th of January 2023, and thank you so much for joining into this, the very first Confidential Brief of the New Year. Wishing you and your family a wonderful and prosperous year ahead. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, Rubber Roofs, who help bring the show live every single Monday, direct to your homes, to your cars, and to your workplace. Join me in a couple of minutes. I'm going to be chatting to two very senior members from the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals about issues pertaining to animals, of course, animal welfare, how you can get involved, and the reality of what's happening in that particular space. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of mine or that of HiFM Management. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Today we're having a very important conversation about the role of the NSPCA in South Africa. When one looks at the condition our country's in and one sees the dilapidation, one tends to forget that there's other organizations that are also battling, and they're battling as a result of the very same factors that are that are influencing our entire country. Um, a breakdown in communication, a breakdown in the way society conducts oneself, and of course, CAPTCHA has impacted funding to so many organizations, both state as well as non-governmental. Joining us in studio is Nazareth Applesamy. He's part of the National Investigations Team of the NSPCA, as well as Keshvi Naya. Now, I said I'd most probably get the surname wrong, and it turns out I got the Keshvi wrong. So it's Keshvi Naya, and she's the PRO from the NSPCA. So let's kick off with Keshvi. Keshvi, for our listeners, growing up, we've all known about the SPCA. We've known that the SPCA is generally something – as an organization that we turn to when we find a stray, um, if we're looking to, to find a home for an animal, we also know that people that are in need can take their animals to the SPCA. Um, but a lot of the people out there are unaware of the NSPCA, the role that the NSPCA actually plays, the difference between the NSPCA and the SPCA, and where they fit into this whole regulatory structure when it comes to looking after animals. You're no stranger to High FM, so can you just kick straight off and tell us about the NSPCA? Good afternoon, Chad. Thank you so much for having us. Um, sure. So when you look at the NSPCA and the SPCA, right, our societies, our, our SPCAs across the country, they work in specific areas, okay, and they deal with their areas, cruelty complaints and issues. The National Council, however, works across the entire country. So we are not restricted to just one area. We work across the entire country, and we have specialized units of our own, Um our societies often deal mostly with domestic animals. The, society, the SBCA will never turn away any animal that's brought to us. We deal with all animals. But societies generally deal with domestic animals, your dogs and cats. The council, however, with our specialized units, we are exposed to far more um, animals uh, in terms of the, the different types of animals that they are. We're exposed to far more animals um, and their issues um, as the council. And then in terms of how this whole organization is is um, controlled, the NSBCA is a statutory 
body, okay? And we are the only animal welfare organization in South Africa that has its own act of parliament, the SPCA Act, number 169 of 1993. Um, and we have rules in terms of this act, um, and that's enforced by the NSPCA. So this is what controls um, how SPCAs operate, how they work, um, and the societies across the country then fall under the council in that respect. Let's just go over that one more time. You're the only organization responsible for animal welfare in South Africa that actually has an act of parliament that governs you. Correct. So we have the SPCA Act number 169 of 1993, and we're the only animal welfare organization in South Africa that has its own act, um, which controls how SPCAs are run, how the organization is run, and we have rules in terms of this act. And that is what's administered by the NSPCA. So when you look at our societies, who, who we refer to as our members, they have to comply with these rules, and so does the council. We also have to comply with these rules. Um, and I guess that is what maybe differentiates us between other animal welfare organizations that are in the country, they, they don't necessarily have the same act that we do. Um, another animal welfare organization would not have to comply with the SPCA Act. This is only for societies across the country, SPCAs across the country. So, so Nazareth, this is an important point because a lot of people um, compare the SPCAs in their communities and the, and, the, and the National Council of SPCAs to different kinds of rescue groups, welfare groups, groups that are set up to look after a particular breed of animal, not realizing that the NSPCA was created for something far greater. Now, take your role, for example. You are a investigator. If one, if one wants to be quite honest with the terminology, although you're an inspector, you actually investigate specific incidences of, 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 of issues pertaining to animals. Tell us a little bit about your, your national investigating unit. Um, hi, Chad. Thank you for having us on, on air. So, yeah, um, basically the NSPCA have several operational units. Um, I manage the special investigations unit that deals with animal fighting and, of course, sexual crimes involving animals. We also investigate maiming, which is uh, tail docking and ear cropping or any other maiming uh, where animals are involved. We have additional operational units in the building. We have the farm animal unit that deals with farm animals, the wild wildlife unit that deals with wild animals, the special projects unit that deals with everything that, like, for example, pigeon racing or dog racing that falls into that. We also have a training unit where SPCAs across the country and uh, staff are trained we have a uh, liaison unit that looks after all the uh, SPCAs in the country. We have an animal ethics unit that deals with laboratory animals or animals in research. And um, basically, those are the units that we have. Um, specifically, the special investigations unit uh, focuses mainly on dog fighting. And, uh, well, recently with all the dog attacks in the country, we somehow have been investigating that as well. I've just learned so much in the space of five minutes regarding the role of the NSPCA. Stay tuned. Let's speak more about the investigation straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. I'm chatting today to Nazareth Applesamy and Keshvi Nair from the National Council for the Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. And it's not a cute and cuddly conversation. It's a very real conversation that has to be had. 
I don't think many people out there realize the role of both the NSPCA and the SPCAs in their communities. Um, and there seems to be too many comparisons between the SPCAs, the NSPCA, and other NPCs or other groups that are set up for the well-being of animals or housing of animals. And there's this massive disparity between what these organizations actually do. And that's what makes today's conversation so important. Keshvi, when, when I was about five, I went to the Boswell Wilkie Circus and I had a picture taken with a little lion cub. And this, this picture was my pride and joy growing up. A couple of years ago, fast forward maybe 40 years, um, I went to a, in inverted commas, an animal wildlife sanctuary. And they also had lion cubs. And a picture was taken, you know, these little cubs were playing at my feet. But there wasn't an enclosure with, with lions, adult lions, but it didn't really dawn on me at that time. And as the years progressed and I followed this particular organization on social media, I saw that there was always cubs that were being cuddled by kids. And it was obviously being monetized, you know, people paid to have pictures taken. And then it suddenly dawned on me the sad reality that they just, they're getting new cubs and the older cubs get sent back from wherever they came and they either get used in canned hunting or they get killed for their bones. It's, it's a stark truth. <clears throat> Yet people still want to have pictures taken with their kids. What's that all about and how does that fit into what you guys do? You know, Chad, I think the biggest issue here is how animals are so exploited. Um, and it's not just, you know, your domestic animals, it's your farm animals, it's your wild animals, as, as you've just said now, that are exploited, exploited. It's, it's all of these animals. And when you look at wildlife, I think one of the biggest issues is that Sometimes people don't necessarily know that what they're doing is actually cruelty. Um, if you look at the lion cub issue, for example, uh, most of the time people want to cuddle lions and take pictures with lions and go and walk with lions because they love lions. They love wildlife. And, you know, they think that these animals are being rescued. They think that these animals were orphaned by their mothers and, you know, what they're doing is actually it's a good deed and they, they're putting this money to, to, to a good use, to good purpose, and that this lion cub is going to grow up and have a happy life. It's not true. Um, and, and it shouldn't be that way. You know, I, I think the other issue here is when you look at children and lion cubs and, and these types of interactions that you have with animals, elephants, for example, parents often just want to make their children happy. You know, my son loves lions. I re I'm sure he'd be happy if I took him to the lion, lion um, park for his birthday. Not forgetting that, you know what, when you take your son there or when you go to these places and you pay for these interactions, you're paying to keep these animals in captivity. And the, those few minutes of your happiness is not worth their lifetime um, in captivity. And I think that's one of the biggest issues here is that people don't fully understand that you may love wildlife. You may want to do a good deed or think that you're doing a good deed, but supporting them in, in captivity is, is not the way to go. If, if you love wildlife so much, perhaps choose a more humane alternative, like going to uh, the Kruger National Park, for example, where animals roam freely and you can see them in their natural habitat living happily, um, as opposed to supporting them in captivity where they are taken away from their parents and passed from hand to hand and, you know, the types of abuse that they go through that you don't always see, but we do. So, Nazareth, what I described with my, my cub analogy, and it's a true story, by the way, is I've come to realize that animals are a commodity. Now, we that eat meat are, are, are consuming a commodity. It's a product that was once 
a living being. But that's a conversation for another day. When I talk about a cub being a commodity, we think this is a rescued animal. We think we're helping that organization. Meanwhile, they're recycling these cubs. And as these cubs are getting older, they're getting shipped back where they're getting used for other commodity purposes, um, such as the lion bone trade or the canned hunting trade. As somebody who's involved in the investigations, what kind of crimes have you noted are on the increase? And why are animals that we tend to look at as, as cute and lovable looked at by others as mere commodities? You're certainly right, Chad. So if we look at um, animals, and we're talking about indigenous animals as an example, where one would drive from, say, from Sun City on the road, you'll see people standing at crossroads selling uh, chameleons, uh, little tortoises, um, uh, even some pet snakes or snakes that don't have venom. And these animals are extracted from our indigenous resources and sold to anyone who not who may not necessarily know how to keep them. One, it is illegal. And two, people that support them, they just perpetuate this crime and and Everyone wants a little cute tortoise in the back of the yard, not knowing it's illegal, you need a permit, and this is exploitation of our own resources, our own animals in the country. And there are many cases, it's not just lions and elephants, it's the little creatures, the praying mantis, all of these animals that are just sold um, for the benefit of humans, but uh, the children that are, are supposed to take care of them don't actually know. What do they eat? How do they live? And these are all real concerns that exist. Then you get the smuggling. And the the people that are smuggling these animals overseas budget for a, a large proportion of these animals to die in transit, um, knowing that they're going to make a fortune in foreign countries. Do you investigate that type of thing? Absolutely. So we've we've actually investigated um, several consignments that uh, were going to leave South Africa. Uh, uh, crabs was uh, two years ago a whole consignment of crabs that came in. We had uh, koi fish also being smuggled. Um, various cases at our ports of exit and ports of entry in the country where large amounts of animals are exploited and sold for unlawful purposes. Keshvi, he just said the word unlawful and this triggered something in my mind. The NSPCA, the SPCA have a mandate to investigate as well as to uphold certain laws that protect the rights of animals. And this is the biggest disconnect that people have when comparing the NSPCA and the SPCA to other organizations. Tell us a little bit more about that investigative mandate and how important it is to the welfare of animals. So I think the most important thing to clarify here, Chad, is the fact that the SPCA movement, our our mandate, what we are here for is to prevent animal cruelty. That is our main purpose, to deal and prevent animal cruelty. Deal with animal cruelty, prevent animal cruelty. That's our biggest purpose here. And I think a lot of the time people think that our our role is to just take in stray animals and look after them and feed the dogs and cats and, you know, adoption and give them a place to go. No, it's not just about that. The biggest issue here is animal cruelty, and that is what we deal with. And I think that's one of the uh, – another – a big differentiating factor between us and anim- other animal welfare shelters. Many other animal welfare shelters, um, their purpose would be to look after these animals that are brought in and try and have them adopted out. Our purpose is to prevent animal cruelty and deal with the people who have 
caused animals to suffer. And, and a stark reminder of this is the fact that 94% of the animal cruelty cases being prosecuted in our country have been brought to the court by the SPCA movement. 94%. So I think that's the, 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 the main thing here is that we're here to prevent animal cruelty. And that's, that's what differentiates us. Another very big issue that we deal with when it comes to the SPCA and how we are compared to other animal welfare shelters is the issue of, of humane euthanasia, putting animals to sleep. And many of the shelters that we are compared to don't, don't, um, put animals down. Um, and we refer to them as, as slow kill shelters because, you know, it's, it's very easy for, for, for the SPCA to be crucified for having to euthanize animals. Um, but very rarely do people see what happens to the animals that are left at these slow kill shelters. And the other thing is, it's, it's not as though we have much of a choice. When, when other animal welfare shelters are filled to capacity, they simply say, listen, sorry, we have no space. We, we can't take this dog. We can't take this cat. You need to take the animal and leave. What happens to those animals? We know what happens to them. Often they end up getting dumped on the street or, or, or killed in the most horrendous ways because people can't look after these animals anymore. They don't want them anymore. So the SBCA does not do that. The SBCA will never turn away that's anim- that, the SBCA will never turn away an animal that's been brought to us because we know, we know what's going to happen to those animals if we turn them away. So it's very easy for, for the SBCA to be, to be crucified, um, for doing the, the, the real difficult and hard work. And, yeah, I, I guess that's another differentiating factor between us and, and other animal welfare shelters. I, I want to come back to you and discuss the rehoming and adoption programs that are in place that the SPCA um, also endorses within their um, parameters and their protocols compared to, to, their, to the decision when, when the euthanasia takes place. But before we get there, we're chatting about the legal aspect and the cruelty to animals and you mentioned in your investigations, Nazareth, dog fighting. And this has become a major issue in South Africa is the fact that there's a specific breed. We'll call them what they are. They're pit bulls. And they've been used by really disgusting human beings, if we can even call them human beings, for the purpose of fighting so that they can make money. They can have bragging rights. They can walk around as the big deal because their dog killed another dog during a fight. And people don't realize that you get... Disorganized fighting, which is your street fights, that, and all the way up to multi-million rand fights that are taking place that are streamed online. People are unaware of just how big this problem is, and the investigation falls on your shoulders. Tell us a little bit more about the dogfighting investigations. Indeed, Chad. Unfortunately, dogfighting is rife in South Africa. It's an underworld, and uh, these fights occur during late hours of the night and in remote places. Uh, we've had several uh, convictions and several prosecutions in the country. And, of course, the penalty provision is normally jail sentence, uh, which is good. The the levels of fighting certainly is of huge concern. We, we, we talk about – we've seen it recently last year where we've even had teenagers now involved in fights. In fact, we had three prosecutions – on three separate cases in the Eastern Cape just involving minors. And I think adults have become aware that they can sit back and orchestrate fights by using children. And this is not, this is not the case where they think they can get away with it. Certainly we've had leads where we've now, um, had uh, proper investigations where we've actually, uh, found and traced back 
adults that are syndicated in this crime, and certainly it's organized. And perhaps one of the things we are looking at this year is adding additional charges, which is racketeering. Uh, and not just uh, charges in terms of the Animals Protection Act, in terms of dog fighting. And I think with the with the recent attacks in the media and the pit bulls, have certainly you know there's awareness regarding pit bulls, and and I, and we are and this is one of the reasons why we are calling for stronger regulations in the country, and we believe once there is stronger regulations for the keeping and breeding of such animals, this in a way will curb the amount of dog fighting in the country. Well, I want to thank you for the investigations and the successful prosecutions because those investigations were done by the NSPCA and it was prosecution-led investigations that led to the perpetrators being sentenced and that wouldn't have happened if this unit didn't exist. And Keshvi, that brings me to such an important point. When we started this conversation, we spoke about the law. When Nazareth started to chat to us. He named a whole string of units that you guys have within the NSPCA. And it's an organization that's responsible for our country as well as assisting our neighboring countries. You must get a lot of support from governments and big business to fund this operation. Well, Chad, actually, the SPCA movement is not funded by governments at all. We rely solely um, on the support of the public, and so do our societies. They rely solely on the public, um, on, on public support. We don't get any funding from, from government. Stop, stop. <laughs> I, I, I don't get that because recently, because of dogfighting, there's a lot of pit bulls that are dangerous. They've got a high prey drive, and we've seen a lot of attacks, very well-publicized attacks, on people in different communities. And government said, if you have a pit bull, take it to your local SPCA. So government knows the role that the SPCA plays, both from a national basis and a local basis, and they know there's an act that you guys regulate and enforce, Mm -hmm. as well as an act specifically for yourselves. Mm -hmm. Surely they should be funding all of this. Well, we can only hope. We can only hope and pray that this is something that would happen. Um, same thing with, with lots of funding. A lot of people think that we are still included in lots of funding. We're not. Um, for 2023, animal welfare has not been included in lots of funding. Um, and I think you pointed out a very, a very important um, statement there, or a very important fact, and that's that when it comes to national issues um, w- w- dealing with animals, um, very quickly, everyone points to the SPCA. Everybody looks to the SPCA, and it's not just the dog attacks. Um, I mean, think about rabies as well. Um, rabies is something that affects human beings as well. Um, it's 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 a fatal disease. It's something very very serious. Um, and you'll often find that when there's a rabies case in the area, um, people refer are referred to the SPCA. The SPCA must come out and remove the animal. The SPCA must deal with the animal. We're also exposed to 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 um, possibly contracting rabies. So when there's when there's very big issues, national issues, then very quickly the SPCA is remembered. Well, I think you, the listener, are learning as much as what I am today, an organization that is responsible for ensuring that there is no cruelty meted out on animals, an organization that is not just involved in taking in strays, but farm animals, wild animals, the smuggling of animals, the fighting of animals, organized crime syndicates linked to animals, does not have the financial support from the state that one would have expected, and their lotto funding also doesn't exist. We're going to carry on straight after this. 
Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Today's conversation has taken a a slightly dark turn. We're chatting to members from the NSPCA, Keshvi and Nazareth. Keshvi is the um, in the comms unit. Um, she's a PR, and of course, um, Nazareth is in the special investigating unit. And one thing that flabbergasted me is the fact that the NSPCA has this massive footprint. Imagine every single piece of land within our borders. That's their footprint, every single piece of land. And they are responsible for investigating cruelty against animals, yet they do not have government funding. Keshvi, why is this? I honestly can't answer that question. I don't know why. Um, I know in the past we did receive a little bit of funding from government, but that stopped now. And um, no other animal welfare organizations receive funding from government either. Um, and, again, it just comes down to us relying solely on, on public support to, to do the work that we do. Nazareth, as as the person who manages an investigative unit, surely it's difficult knowing at the back of your mind that you only have a specific budget, you can only do so much, yet there's so much cruelty out there that needs to be investigated. Absolutely. Um, the, the unit travels extensively, so if there's a, it's a case in the Eastern Cape or Western Cape or Northwest, Limpopo, all the provinces, and, and if we look at the, the current price of fuel, um, the NSPCA staff travel extensively and we go out and we investigate and sometimes we have to be there for more than one day. Sometimes it's a week or it's two weeks and then there's additional costs which is accommodation, etc., etc. These are all costs that we have to rely on kind individuals from the public um, of which, which help us to be able to do the work that we do. Keshvi, there's something so wrong with the story of an organization set up to help the most vulnerable that one can imagine, yet from a financial perspective, you expect it to hold out the begging bowl. Mm. Mm. No, it's quite sad. How do we overcome this and how do we get more engagement from the public? Because like I said to you at the outset of the show, there seems to be a disconnect between people's understanding of what the NSPCA and the SPCAs actually do mm. compared to that little organization down the road that takes in a specific breed and yeah. tries to help that breed. Yeah, you know, I think, I think, I think what needs to happen here is just, the most important thing is to reiterate that our role here is to prevent animal cruelty. And, you know, we're not trying to take away anything from, from, from other animal welfare organizations because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. We all need to work together because we all want to achieve the same thing. We all want a kinder future for animals. We all want a world where animals don't have to suffer. Um, and so in, in order to get out of this mess that we're all facing, um, we, we rely solely on, on public support. And I think when it comes to the public, what needs to be understood is that it's more than just dogs and cats um, that need to be fed in shelters. It's animal cruelty that needs to be dealt with. Um, and, and NSPCA inspectors, SPCA inspectors, we need to be able to get into our vehicles to reach those animals. Everybody is, is so willing, um, and thankfully so, but so willing to, to, to buy a kennel or buy a bag of food or buy a blanket, which is needed. 
Um, but what comes before that is being able to reach that animal in need, being able to get SPCA inspectors to, to be able to get to court and fight for those animals in court and fight for, for justice, for the suffering that they've been subjected to. And again, it's more than just, you know, your, your dogs and cats and the cruelty that they face. It's, it's the farm animals. It's the wild animals that we spoke about. And so I think the public just needs to be reminded that it's, it's more than just dogs and cats and we need funding to get to all of these animals. And, and yeah, we need, we need, when it comes to funding, I think the most important thing right now would be funding for, for fuel to be able to get to those animals and do what we, do what we do. Nazareth, you've spoken about fuel. Keshe, we've spoken about fuel. That's obviously something very important to you at the moment. But you're an employee. You work for the NSPCA. It's your calling. It's your vocation. But it's also how you put food on the table and it's how your team puts food on the table. You guys aren't just doing this for the love of animals. You're doing it because it's your chosen profession. And I think this is another disconnect people need to reconcile with is that there are people that work in this environment because they want to make a difference. How long have you done this and what made you do this? So, Chad, I've been in the SPCA movement for 14 years, and um, I think it's uh, the love I have for animals and uh, the interest that I've always had for wanting to make a difference in the in the in the animal world. Um, you're quite right. It's 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 more than just a job. It's a passion, and it's very rewarding. It's rewarding uh, getting justice for animals. It's rewarding finding homes for animals. It's uh, it's rewarding finding. Uh, people that hurt animals and having the law deal with them. Um, there's a lot of good um, that one experiences. Of course, we're also exposed to the dark side, and that is, uh, um, for an example, which is animal sexual crimes, where I have a team that looks at animal sexual crimes. And, and last year was a good year where we actually had a person convicted and that person got eight years direct imprisonment, which was the record-breaking case uh, that we dealt with. So there's a lot of work that goes and that's behind the scenes that the public don't see, where hours and hours are spent on social media trying to trace individuals. And we rely on organizations out there that actually do assist us with investigations. We we commend the SAPs and other units in law enforcement that also help us. So we are totally dependent on information from the public. And the public can play one of the biggest roles in giving us information because uh, complainants um, that give us information can remain anonymous. And we actually have a high court ruling where we do not have to disclose a complainant that has given us information that we need to investigate. So a lot of work behind the scenes, Chad. Keshvi, how does the public help? How do our listeners, because I'm reaching out to my listeners today, how do our listeners help the NSPCA? Well, there's many ways that one can help. First, I think choose to be kind to animals. Um, if you are listening to this, make the choice to be a kind person to animals. Secondly, when it comes to supporting the NSPCA and SPCAs, reach out to your local SPCA and ask them directly, listen, guys, what is it that you need? Some societies may may also be struggling with, with fuel money. Some societies may need more puppy food than kitten food. So reach out to your local SPCA directly and ask them, guys, what is it that you need? And when it comes to the council, 
um, again, our our biggest need right now is 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 funding for petrol in order for us to travel across the country and reach animals in need. Um, and lastly, it's it's like Nurse said, if you see something, say something. Don't be the person that witnesses animal cruelty and keep quiet about it. Your details will not be disclosed. So if you see something happening, pick up the phone, report it to your local SPCA. If you see something, say something. With regards to the National Council of SPCAs, which is responsible for these nationwide investigations, what's the easiest way the public can make contact if they want to contribute financially towards the needs of these um, particular units within your organization? I would suggest that the public go to our website, www.nspca.co.za. There's a little donate button at the top right-hand corner of the page. Um, and that gives you various options that you can choose from. There's our banking details there. There's adopter project scheme. So if you are more akin to wildlife or donkeys or whatever the case is, you can, you can support a project that tugs at your heartstrings as well. Um, and if you want to contact us, our contact details are on our website as well. On the Confidential Brief um, radio station page, there are a lot of comments pertaining to um, the NSPCA, the good work that it does, and there's also questions that you may have wanted to ask yourself. A lot of those questions have been covered, and they're going to be answered. So go to Confidential Brief Radio Show and have a look at those questions and perhaps ask your own, and we're going to be putting the contact details out there. And you'll notice that if you follow me on social media, I said today that I'm interviewing my heroes, and they really are my heroes. Anybody that is prepared to put themselves at risk, um, and it's not an easy job, to to fight for the rights of animals and to prevent cruelty are, are most definitely my heroes and will always be my heroes. So, Nazareth, thank you to, to you and your team at the investigation section that are responsible for looking into these horrendous crimes that you've touched on, but thank goodness we couldn't go into detail on because, I'll be honest, I'm squeamish. It's it's hurtful. It's it's something that we don't want to to, to accept or realize is happening, but it is, and it's people like you that are helping. So thank you so much, Nazareth. Thank you, Chad. And Keshvi, your role to communicate to people that don't understand the role of the NSPCA, it's such a valuable and important role. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for that because I've learned so much today. I was a volunteer as a kid, but I didn't know about the, the, the difference between the NSPCA and the SPCA. I didn't know about all the different units. I didn't know about the legislation. Look, I was, I was young, a lot younger <laughs> before 1993. But the fact that there's an act of parliament of 1993 um, that constitutes the way the SPCA is structured and operates is so very important. And that knowledge is so very important. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you, Chad. The NSPCA really needs your help, and if you are anything like me, and I know you are, um, and animals are close to your heart, it doesn't mean you don't have to support other organizations. Those organizations have a role to play, and if those organizations need a few rand or they need a blanket, they need a kennel, they need food, I'm not asking you to stop helping them. What I am asking you to do is look at the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is the NSPCA is responsible for enforcing regulating and investigating issues that pertain to animals on a nationwide basis and not just those domestic cats and dogs but wildlife and farm animals. It's a very important organization that desperately, desperately needs 
all of our help. So please, if you can, reach out to the NSBC. I'm going to be posting all those details um, together with the podcast of today's show on our page. There will be a repeat of the show during the week. And if you enjoyed today's show, you want to listen to it again or perhaps refer somebody to it who perhaps doesn't understand how the NSBCA operates, it will be uploaded to www.chaifm.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's always special um, chatting to you all.